Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Booming Basketball Podcast. As you guys know, free agency is upon us right now at the moment. Everything is kind of hectic, even though this year's free agency isn't nearly what others have been, and the noise hasn't been there as much as it has, per se, in other seasons. But regardless, we're going to talk about our predictions for the winners and losers of free agency and the offseason just in general. This is going to include from the draft, so basically anything past the NBA Finals on that's happened so far in the offseason. With the free agency, obviously that's going to be a big part of it, but I'm also going to be taking into consideration teams' drafts and the trades they have made, obviously. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So the first team I have here for the winners of this offseason so far are the Utah Jazz. And the reason why I have the Utah Jazz as a winner so far this offseason is the fact that they just got a haul for Rudy Gobert as if they were trading prime Michael Jordan. Obviously, that's an exaggeration, but giving up four first-round draft picks, oh, in this case, the Jazz gaining four first-round picks, one protected, three of them being unprotected, is definitely quite the haul if you're going to be giving up a talent like Rudy Gobert. And we'll get into the other team that took part in this trade a little bit later in the episode, But really, the Jazz, they had to get rid of Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, it seemed, was the dwelling task that was for the uh, Jazz's front office. It hasn't worked out in the playoffs year after year. They've had regular season success, but clearly something needed to be changed. And yeah, Utah went ahead and did that uh, just this past week with the trade of Rudy Gobert to Minnesota. And along with those picks, they get multiple, multiple solid players in Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, who was a great defensive player for them last season. Um, Walker Kessler, who was the seven-footer that they just drafted with the 22nd pick in the first round this year, is also headed to Utah. So, yeah, Utah gets a very, very solid starting piece to rebuild their young core around Donovan Mitchell if that's what they decide to do and not trade him. I don't see anything wrong with this for the Jazz. The Jazz have done everything in their ability to try to retool and fix their roster clearly seeing that it wasn't working the way they had it and this was about as good of a start as you could possibly have so we'll see how the jazz look now without rudy gobert but for their future it looks a lot brighter than it did just a week ago the next team i have up for one of the winners of this offseason is going to be the nba finals runner-up boston celtics and the boston celtics have been pretty active in this free agency or the offseason compared to other teams. I say active even though they've only made really two moves, but compared to other teams who haven't made any, this is definitely a winner in my book. The Celtics have been talking about wanting a real point guard for a long time and a legitimate guy, even though Marcus Smart thinks he can be a legit point guard for their team, which I'm not saying he can't be, but you definitely need someone to set up an offense and really kind of just get your offense into a groove of things and be a, someone who controls the pace and that's exactly what Malcolm Brogdon does and that's who they traded for the problem that could arise is his injuries but really they didn't give up anything crazy at all to get him they gave up essentially every player that was given up does not play for the Boston Celtics and is not really in their roster they gave up Nick Stauskas, Aaron Neesmith who's been a disappointment since he was drafted 
Daniel Tice, who is an absolute disaster in the playoffs, and Malik Fitz and Jawan Morgan, who I don't really know who are they are. Nick Stauskas obviously doesn't hurt them. He doesn't play. And they gave up a first-round pick that's also protected. So, essentially, they gave up nothing of value to them, especially when they're a good team, so that protected pick isn't going to matter regardless. It's not going to be a good pick, likely. And they added a borderline all-star caliber point guard when healthy. So, to be a finals team and to not lose any one key, but also retool and get even better is a huge thing for the Boston Celtics, especially with the signing of Danilo Gallinari. And even though, obviously, Danilo Gallinari isn't the player that he once used to be, he can still be a very productive player for a contending basketball team. Averaged 11 points last season on 38% about from the three, even though he shot 40% the year before that. But when he was with the Hawks in that year, they made the Eastern Conference Finals, was a very big piece for that team. And, yeah, he still has something left, and the Celtics need bench scoring and extra shooting. And that's exactly what they're getting with Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari. So, essentially, the Celtics' only weakness seeming to be, which was their bench depth and lack of scoring that came in the game after their starters needed a rest, has essentially seemed to be solved if Brogdon can stay healthy and Gallinari as well because he has also had some injury issues in the past. But all around, the Celtics couldn't have done much more to improve their roster without giving up anything, essentially. And yeah, that's a W in my book for the Boston Celtics this offseason. Before I get into the third and final winner I have for this episode, and I did only three for the winners and losers, mainly because of the fact that there just hasn't been that much going on this offseason in general compared to offseasons we've seen in the past, and there's not that many teams that I can consider a winner without it really being kind of a stretch. So without further ado, before we get into the last one, the third and final winner that I have, I'm going to give an honorable mention, and that's really just going to be for the Clippers, mainly because of the fact that they lost Isaiah Hartenstein, which is a significant loss for them. He was a great piece for them last season, possibly the best backup big in basketball last year. But they re-signed Ivica Zubak, and they're taking a chance on John Wall for only $13 million for two years is a big dub in my book. John Wall, obviously, as we know, has been a perennial all-star before he got injured, and even when he came back for the Rockets, the one season that he did play, he wasn't the old John Wall, but he certainly wasn't a schlub, and he wasn't a player that deserves to not be in the league. He is definitely still a capable and good basketball player when he's healthy, so it'll be interesting to see how he does with the Clippers. I think they could really benefit off of him, considering they don't need him to be the old John Wall, even in the slightest bit. They just need him to be a guy to keep the pace similar to like Malcolm Brogdon in Boston and just set up their star players, their wing tandem in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And he'll just complement the scoring that they have with also Norman Powell, Reggie Jackson very well, I feel like, because they didn't need more scoring. Even though John Wall can score, he's also a very good playmaker and has been one of the best passers probably that we've seen in the past 10 years. So it'll be interesting to see which John Wall we get in LA and that'll really determine for me whether they're a winner or a loser but regardless they just didn't do enough to me in order to consider them one way or the other they're definitely not a loser because I don't think Hartenstein being gone is big enough to warrant them as a loser but I'm not sure I can call him a winner either because really their only move was getting John Wall and we don't even know what kind of player John Wall is going to be for them yet so the third and final winner I have for this episode for free agency in the offseason It's going to be a little bit of a controversial one, and I hope 
that you just listen to me and don't wring my neck out as soon as I say it because it really makes sense when you think about it. And that team is going to be the New York Knicks. Here's why. Jalen Brunson obviously signed a $104 million deal worth four years or for four years with the New York Knicks, a deal that Dallas was not prepared to offer, and they didn't, and now he's a Nick. A lot of people thinking this is a huge overpay, even though it's not even egregious in the slightest bit, I don't think. It's a few million dollars of an overpay, maybe, but the Knicks get their best point guard that they've had since Stephon Marbury, and he's likely going to be better than Stephon Marbury. In my opinion, I think in most basketball fans' opinions, they expect him to be better than Stephon Marbury was with the Knicks because that didn't lead them to many, much success at all. Jalen Brunson grew up around the Knicks. He was um, Rick Brunson's son, obviously, who was a player for the Knicks in the 90s. He made friends early on in his life with Larry Johnson and Marcus Camby. When his dad was playing for the team, he used to dress up in Knicks gear, pretending his dad's games were his own games. And yeah, it's just a really cool story, first of all, to see Jalen Brunson go to the Knicks to be possibly the guy other than R.J. Barrett there. And it's just not that horrible of a deal when you think about it. Jalen Brunson's set to be the 13th highest paid point guard in the league this year, and I think he's easily a top 15 point guard. I don't think you can name 15 point guards better than him. Guys like Kyle Lowry and Russell Westbrook, D'Angelo Russell, are making more per year than him, and I don't think any of those players are better than him at this point. So when you look at it, yes, it's a lot of money, but in today's NBA, good players and young players with potential get a lot of money. It's just how the league is. You look at Michael Porter's giant contract that he got two or three years ago, whatever it was. You look at Jamal Murray, another nugget, I know, but the same case. You gave the money for his potential and what he could be. And even Fred Van Vliet, who just got a $25 million plus or whatever it was per year extension from the Raptors, I don't think his skill level is much far off from Brunson at all. So when you look at it, the Knicks just got the best point guard they've had in over a decade, and they got better because that was one of their, if not the biggest hold that they've had in their team for years. They were dead last almost in assists, and Julius Randle was their leading assist man while also having 3.4 turnovers about per game. So what you're telling me here is that the Knicks got their best point guard that they've had in years. They filled a massive hole. They traded away veterans in Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel to free up minutes for the young guys. I, I don't see the problem here. I mean, it's a little bit more money than maybe some people thought. But, okay, I don't really think that's justifiable because so many people now in today's NBA get money that maybe they don't deserve or a little bit more than they were expected to get it's just how it is when teams want players they overpay a little bit to get them and usually it doesn't end up biting them in the ass unless you're giving Chandler Parsons a max contract and I don't think that's like this situation at all as well as this the Knicks also re-signed Mitchell Robinson to a four-year 60 million dollar deal which is going to make him the first Nick since Charlie Ward in 1994 to sign a multi-year deal after their rookie contract with the Knicks David Lee signed one whenever his rookie contract was up, but that was only for a singular year. Then he signed another one and was traded. So the first multi-year deal for a Nick rookie since Charlie Ward in 1994. I think that alone in itself is a W, meaning that they hit on a draft pick. Mitchell Robinson, obviously the 36th pick in the draft. It was actually the pick that the Knicks received in the Carmelo Anthony trade, believe it or not, from the Oklahoma City Thunder. It was originally the Bulls pick. And yeah, the rest is history. Also, on top of the fact that they did all this, they also signed the guy that I talked about 
a minute or two ago, whatever, with the Clippers who just left. Isaiah Hartenstein signed a $16 million deal for two years with the Knicks, and getting rid of Noel, this obviously fills a big gap for them. Even though they have Jericho Sims, who is a nice young player who has some potential, it's important to have solidified a backup center role. And Isaiah Hartenstein might have been the best backup center in all of basketball last season. And to get him for only $8 million a year, especially when it was seen that other teams like the Orlando Magic had interest in him, is a great value and a great addition to the team. The Knicks haven't really had a legitimate stretch big in quite some time. And even though Hartenstein only shot point four threes a game he did shoot 46 percent and in the past especially in the g league he has been a prolific three-point shooter and i wouldn't be surprised to see the knicks use that to make more of a spread offense especially to open up driving lanes for jalen brunson obviously who was newly acquired and yeah i just like this knicks team a lot better than what they started out the offseason with maybe a little bit of an overpay for jalen brunson but all in all the knicks i think got a lot better this offseason and we're going to get to see the young core that they have play a lot more and see how Tibbs does with the young guys, especially now that he's going to be forced to play them. So for me, the New York Knicks are a winner, at least right now, because I think that the moves they made will pan out. Again, this is just a prediction. Don't rip my head off. Thank you. So now we get on to the losers for this episode. And the first team that I'm going to be covering here is maybe another controversial one i don't really it's the timberwolves what i'm gonna say is i don't really understand the rudy gobert trade and i'm still trying to wrap my head around him around it because it just really makes no sense to me first of all i just want to say i met carl anthony towns the other week two weeks ago in a best buy super fucking random super nice guy that was awesome super cool experience whatever but they just signed carl towns to a four-year $224 million deal which is a huge W for both of them I think he deserves it he's an incredible player and yeah that's not the problem here the problem here is doing that and then going out and trading your entire future outside of Towns and Edwards for a guy that is been argued to make teams worse I don't know it's weird because Rudy Gobert is obviously a very 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 good player one of the best defenders in the league, if not the best. One of the best shot blockers and rim protectors we've seen in the past decade, 20 years, whatever. Maybe all time. But Rudy Gobert, in no world, in my opinion, is worth four first-round picks. They gave up three first-round picks, including their first pick this year, Walker Kessler, along with an unprotected first. So that's five first round picks essentially because Kessler was literally their first this year and trading all of that for Rudy Gobert the problem again Rudy Gobert is a what a center what is Carl Anthony Towns he is a center so the problem right now that the Timberwolves are going to face is the fact that their two two of their three best players at least are now centers and if you're going to tell me that Carl Anthony Towns is going to have success playing at the power forward position You've got to be fucking kidding me because I love Cat. Cat is a generational talent offensively, but we're not going to talk about his offense without talking about how god-awful his defense is. And I, I will admit it has gotten better. It's gotten quite a bit better, and he's become not the absolute worst defending big in the league, but he's still pretty bad. And the problem with him is his lateral quickness and the fact that he moves like he has cinder blocks for feet. 
you're not going to guard any team, especially from three-point range, when you have a four and a five who are essentially immobile. Rudy Gobert can defend the perimeter well for a guy that's seven foot one, but he's not going to be sticking on forwards or guards and having any success for the whole game. So it's just very difficult to justify this move, especially in today's NBA, when most teams are playing small ball and don't even run oftentimes one traditional center. But in this case, the Timberwolves are going to be running two centers. And I just think it's going to be very hard for them to keep up with teams that run and gun, i.e. the Warriors, teams like the Celtics, the Heat, the Bucks. Uh, it's just a lot of athleticism they're going to have to deal with other teams and a lot of athleticism that they are lacking. Along with this, not even just the fit alone of their t- stars, who the hell is going to come off the bench for them? Their only legitimate now role player is Jaden McDaniels. I hope that's the right one, too, because I honestly forget which one is which. Sometimes the one on the Timberwolves is better, and he's a good player. But to have your only other role player outside of your stars be someone that has played a year and a half, two years in the NBA, it's it's rocky. And especially in the Deep Western Conference, I don't know how they're going to compete when their starters aren't on the floor because, like I said, their bench was essentially Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly, McDaniels, whatever – and now most of them are gone, other than McDaniels. Malik Beasley, also one of the best shooters for them, also gone. And it's just going to be very difficult to see how this team does with four roster players, essentially. They have D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, Carl Towns, Rudy Gobert, McDaniels, and Jade Noel. Those are legitimately their only rotational players. That's a six-man rotation. Five-man I am horrible at math. Wow. That is a seven-man rotation. Um, I don't know any teams in today's NBA that run seven-man rotations. So the Timberwolves are going to have to do something to get another piece or two to add to their rotation because at this moment of time, their bench is god-awful, and I don't even know if their starters are going to work out. So, again, I'm going to have to mark them as a loser as of right now for the offseason. The next team up that I have is a loser for this year's offseason is going to be the team on the other end of the Jalen Brunson deal, and that is going to be the team that lost him, and it is the Dallas Mavericks. Right now, the only thing, in my opinion, that is keeping the Mavericks afloat from being, like, maybe the worst team in the league is the fact that they just have Luka. I don't know how in the fuck they made the Western Conference Finals because, honestly, the carry job that Luka had to do was pretty freaking incredible. This team has no one outside of Luka that is even close to being able to lead a team or step up in big moments. Spencer Dinwiddie's probably the closest thing they have to that, and yeah, it was Brunson, but he's gone. So now Luka Doncic's second best player is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie, who seems to be on and off every other game and can never string together multiple good performances. Regardless, they signed JaVale McGee. Woohoo, that's awesome. The only good thing about that is the fact that Dwight Powell is not going to be getting as many minutes anymore. But the other side of that is the fact that Jalen Brunson is gone and Dwight Powell is still on your basketball team. Dwight Powell, I don't even, this is not going to be a Dwight Powell rant, but Dwight Powell fucking sucks. Holy shit. 
I have never seen someone so bad at playing center in my life. The dude is six foot ten, can't grab a rebound. He has no offensive moves. He he's just a dope. He's a horrible defender. And this is going to be another season for Luca to just carry everything and watch the rest of his teammates do nothing but sit there and try to hit catch and shoot shots. The Mavericks fans, for the most part, I think, knew that they weren't going to be doing much coming into this year's free agency, other than hopefully retaining Brunson, but that obviously did not happen. But yeah, the Mavs came into the free agency with no money, and they still have no money, and have no real way to improve other than through trades, but they don't have any actual valuable trade assets, so that's a problem. Yeah, the the Mavericks are stuck in a kind of a bad way right now, and um, the only thing keeping them afloat was the fact that they have a top five player in the world. So yeah, loser for the off season so far, the Dallas Mavericks. The third and final team I had to pick for a loser is going to be one that I don't think necessarily is the biggest loser ever because this off season I don't think there's been too much that has been like bad for any team. But the third and final team I have is going to be the Philadelphia 76ers. A big reason for that is the fact that Tobias Harris and Matisse Thybulle are still on their roster. I assume, honestly, that most of them, or both of them, or one of them will be traded before the season starts, but at the moment, neither of them are anywhere but Philadelphia, and it hasn't seemed like there's been any real legitimate rumors that have been there about of any teams being interested in the two, at least not in Harris, because Harris has a max contract and averages 17 points a game but also the fact that they just signed pj tucker to a 30 million dollar deal for three years and he will be 40 in the final year of that deal we've seen them do this another time in the past couple years when they signed al horford who is old as shit to a multi-year deal and um yeah i don't know i just don't know how much left pj tucker has he isn't much of a scoring threat. He's really just a hustle guy and a defender who will hit corner threes. And even though it makes the Sixers bench a little deeper, as well as signing Daniel House, who just isn't that good, really. Uh, that was kind of like a nothing signing, even though I've seen Sixers fans excited about it. And then they drafted Trevelyn Queen, who was the MVP of the G League this past year. Uh, he could be good. Maybe he's uh, another G League MVP on their team, along with Paul Reed. And a lot of these things with the Sixers are just going to be if they can develop or not. But really, signing P.J. Tucker to a bunch of money, especially when he's just getting older and older, is just a questionable move for me. And I don't know. I just don't really like what the Sixers are doing, to be honest. I think they need to retool most of the roster. Trade Harris, trade Thibault, get whatever you can for them. And then on top of that, Harden's also going to be signing on a multi-year deal, hopefully with them, or hopefully to them, he's going to be resigning for multiple years. And even though he is going to be taking a pay cut, likely, I still don't like giving Harden a multi-year deal at this point. I just, we don't know what kind of a player he is anymore, and it's a big question mark for them. But yeah, I have to mark the Sixers down as, so far, losers of the offseason. And there was one more loser I was going to include, but honestly, we don't know yet. And that's going to be the biggest team that's been talked about the most, possibly, this offseason, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets obviously had Kyrie Irving opt in to his player option, which seemed to be a sign that they were going to be running it back with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But then a couple days later, Kevin Durant comes out and requests a trade from the Brooklyn Nets directly to Nets owner Joe Tsai.
so now obviously the problem with the Nets is the fact that they look like possibly a contender for next season like we thought they'd be every season and now they're probably going to have to either rebuild or go into the season with a disgruntled two superstars and that's never a good thing yeah the Nets are really just too early to tell to be honest because they could end up getting a haul back for both of them that is just too godly of an offer to call them a loser but if they don't get what they want and they have to like settle for something and Katie's basically like I'm not going to play for you unless you trade me before the season and or like he goes like I'm not playing for you trade me basically and then they have to trade him because if not they're just going to be paying a guy to sit out and Katie could definitely do that he has more than enough money to do so even though I don't think that'd be something he would do it wouldn't surprise me either because no one thought he would ever sign with the Warriors and that happened anyways if he goes back to the Warriors via trade, I might kill myself. I'm just saying. That would be horrible, and no one wants to see that. But on the topic that we are staying on, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be losers if they don't get correct value out of the two, but I think that's very unlikely to happen. Yeah, it's just it's going to be wild once that happens because really the entire NBA is waiting on the Nets to see what they'll do. And, yeah, for that reason, I can't call them a winner or a loser yet because it could definitely go either or. Other than that, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Booming Basketball. And I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Hopefully, we will be doing more episodes in the future. I have been focused on the Instagram recently. Make sure to go check out that, like I said, at Booming Basketball. No spaces or underscores. And, yeah, we have some pretty cool content over there. And, yeah, so check it out. If you like this video, make sure to follow us and stay tuned for more content. Thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next time. As always, I'm Nate. Peace out.